What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 119 of the Podcast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Rafford. Hello. Welcome back, my friend. Another week, another podcast. Uh, it is. Tell you what, last couple weeks, we've had some bangers, some big news, some big guests. This week... I sure hope you like listening to what we talked about playing because not so much well, news. You know, <laughs> you know why I think it is? It's because it was April Fool's this week. Yep. And nobody wants to release any news that might be construed as a joke yep. on April Fool's week. So now that's out of the way, we're playing sale and ready for Nintendo to do a, a, a Nintendo Direct because we're all ready for it. Let's go, right? Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I will say this week, uh, I'm very, very excited to talk about what I've been playing. So, at the very least, I can promise you that's going to be meaty. But before we get into that, let me tell you where you can find the podcast all around the web. Of course, we are the podcast, lootpots.com's weekly Nintendo and gaming podcast, where Steve and I get together and talk about what we've been playing and what's going on in the world of video games. Of course, if you guys want to be a part of the show, you can write in to me at pete.lootpots.com. You can come join our Discord, where our ever-growing community of potsheads just like you are there chatting about games and uh, you know sometimes other stuff. Um, if you want to get some more content from us, of course, you can head over to twitch.tv slash lootpots, where every Thursday, Steve and I have been streaming games for and with you. Uh, this past week, we played a little bit of uh, the game I'm going to be talking about the most in the What We're Playing segment, uh, Disco Elysium, which just uh, came to PS4 and PS5 this past week. We had a blast uh, with you guys in the chat helping us make choices and make our character just a loathsome motherfucker that nobody wants to deal with. Um, so if you want to come be a part of those streams, we would love to see you there on Thursday nights. Come hang out, come chat with us. Uh, it's a great way to spend some time and, uh, you know, get a little bit of more loot pots from us. Uh, plus you can also go ahead over to patreon.com slash loot pots, where it's the best way to show your support. You can go above and beyond, give us a buck and get access to our patron exclusive show after dark, where this week, Steve and I talked about Easter city living and mm, probably more stuff. <laughs> I can't remember. And it literally, literally just recorded we it. Just recorded it. And I'm like, there was a third oh, our thing. New, our new lifestyle brand that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our our we're gonna we're developing a lifestyle brand. So if you want to go hear about that and uh and weigh in on it, you can go hit us up uh for a buck. And we've got uh over eighty episodes of After Dark that you'll get access to for just a dollar. So uh great way to get a little bit of extra content from us, a little learn a little bit more about you know, the men behind the mics. Uh, that's that's what we do over there. So uh, go check that out if you're so inclined. We'd appreciate your support. Uh, and, of course, you know, head over to the YouTube channel. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Share the show with your friends if you enjoy what we're doing here and you think that they might uh, enjoy our particular brand of nonsense. Uh, it would be a huge help to us to help uh, spread the word. So let's, ho- let's hop into what we're playing this week. Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead. I've been playing a fuckload of Disco Elysium. Uh, last week, I talked about how I restarted uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and I was doing my New Game Plus run, and I was, like, really sucked back into that. Yeah. Um, and I kind of forgot that Disco Elysium was out on the 30th, because it's, like, a Tuesday. Like, obviously, games come out on Tuesdays, but, like, I don't know. I never think of, like, new releases. Yeah, I always think Thursdays is the release day, and that's because that's Nintendo's release yeah. day. Yeah. 
So, so that's I, the day I always say is the old Thursday is going to come out on a Thursday. And I kind of associate it with that, too, because I feel like that would, like, especially before I was doing commentary and stuff, like, that would be when I would go get a new game. It would be the Friday night, right? So you could play it over the weekend. Um, but anyway, I, so I, I was reminded uh, that it dropped that day, and I was like, oh, sweet, great. I'm going to grab this. I'm going to at least start it tonight and, and, you know, get into it. And I, like, almost played nothing else since it came out. Um... I am sucked into it. So if you don't know, uh, Disco Elysium is a like point and click RPG, is I guess how I would it's describe a, it's it. It's a it's a CRPG. It's a computer role play game. Yeah, but like when you say CRPG, I feel like that does conjure like you think of like a Baldur's Gate or yeah. you know, and those games have combat and like you know, this doesn't. So that that is, I think, where it, it is a little unique because it, it's like a Venn diagram of like point and click adventure, pen and paper role playing game, and like mm-hmm. a telltale kind of like choose your own adventure, just pick dialogue options and see what happens kind of thing. And I I love it. I love it. the The systems for creating your character are so deep, and like I. The elevator pitch that I've given to Steve and every person who's asked me about it since uh, was what happened when I rolled my character for the first time. So I sit down on Tuesday night and I spend like maybe 15 minutes rolling my character because there are four major stats. Um, It's intelligence, uh, emotional intelligence, basically. I think they call it psyche. Um, Your like physical strength. So like how well you can take a hit, how much you can lift, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then your reflexes, which applies to both, like, physical reflexes, like, how well you can, like, aim and shoot your gun, or, like, um, your powers of, like, observation and, like, mental quickness as well. Um, you know, like, being extra observant and things like that. So, each of those stats has, like, six, I want to say, maybe ten, substats. That are all of these different things. So, like, in the emotional intelligence, one of them is, like, empathy, right? And, like, with the power of empathy, you can read into people's language and their body language. And sometimes you'll, like, you know, for example, right? Say my character, you're a detective and you have amnesia and you're trying to solve a mystery is, like, the conceit of the game. Well, you don't know you're a detective right at the beginning. But, like... And you kind of figure it out. But it's in the title of the game. Like, it's a detective RPG. Right. And, like, the cover, like, you have a badge and stuff. So, it's like, that's not a spoiler. And and the... I think the tagline is, what kind of cop will you be? So, you you know going into it that you're a police officer. I actually didn't. Somehow, though, when we were streaming this... (laughs) You found it out. I, like, totally missed that, that, that you play a police officer. And so I was just like, oh, wait, I'm a cop. And I was, like, playing into it, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be this superstar cop. I'm a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I so the the thing that's that's really interesting about it, right, is, like, you have all of those substats, and there's all of these, like, silent roles going on in the background. So, like, based on what your stats are, you'll have observations or have access to certain like things you can try to do or you know skill checks that you can run or whatever and it's really interesting for a lot of reasons because based on how high your base stats are you know those first four things that i pointed out um 
some of the abilities, the higher you get, they start to have detriment. And the lower you are, they have detriment. So, like, one of the examples... Um, so I said, right, when I rolled my first character, I spent 15 minutes rolling my character, reading all the skills and being like, okay, I'm going to go uh, as close as I can to max intellect and max emotional intelligence, and I'll leave the two physical stats at one because I don't want to be a physical... I'm going to try to talk my way out of things and, you know, like, manipulate people. And, you know, I was going to try to just be, like, a, a thinker kind of guy. And <laughs> so you wake up, uh, in this hotel room in your underwear that you've trashed, right? And you're like, okay, I guess I should put on my clothes. And you you have a tie that's on a ceiling fan that's spinning. And I tried to grab it, and I died of a heart attack. Because <laughs> your physical like physique was so my low. physique was so low, I was only able to take. So there's two different um, forms of health. There's endurance, and uh, I think it's like morale is the other one. So endurance is physical. And morale is mental. So if you run out of your physical endurance, you just die. And if you run out of morale, I think you have a mental breakdown. Um, so I only had one health, and I failed this physical roll. So I take one damage, and I just died. And they had to explain why he died. So it's like you literally see a newspaper, and it's like, oh, like Ace Detective dies of heart attack or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh that's shit. so cool. That's really cool. But I remember like one of the other consequences we were looking at when I was rolling the character on stream because you had the controls and and I was like picking what I wanted it to be and and how we were going to play along with the the chat and um I, I wanted to go really high on empathy because I thought well if I'm high on empathy then I can relate to people a lot better I'll be able to like influence them in ways I wanted to go but the the negative effect of that was if we went too high, he would be like an emotional wreck and he would cry because he would get so invested in what people was telling him. He'd be like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Yeah, like, and like uh, we wouldn't be able to do anything. The way that each of the um, sub-skills is described, it's kind of like at high levels, these are the benefits. At extremely high levels, these could be the drawbacks. And then it'll be like at low levels, at extremely low levels. Um and yeah, with empathy, I'm pretty sure the way they say it is like if it's high, like you're astute and you can you're you read human emotion like a book. And but if you're too empathetic, uh, you will you'll cry for their losses, you'll punch walls for their anger, and you'll just be even more emotionally unstable. You know, so I love the idea that you can intentionally build a flawed character. You know, and that's like yeah, part it's of the really fun. really cool. Well, again, that was part of the fun in, like, when we were playing. I, I actually felt like I was really role-playing. And you were. And the first time I felt like that in a game was, like, I was playing this role of you have in your head how you want to play, and the game seems to allow you and present you with the options of playing that exact way. At the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing, but then it was like, oh, I'm going to be the superstar cop as soon as we were talking to the mirror. And that's the other thing I really liked about it is that these inanimate objects are, like, talking back to you. We had it with the mirror. Yes. We had it with the trash can. Yeah. And you... Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. And you have that, like, inner monologue that's, like, talking back at you as well. So that's the other thing is that the minor skills, each of those will when, – when they do those silent checks, you have an internal monologue. So it'll be like, you know, oh, like Steve and I are talking right now, right? Like my empathy role, I pass my empathy role. Oh, Steve's smiling. He must be in a good mood. And like you have that dialogue 
And what's really crazy is you get into some situations where the skills com- conflict. So, like, uh, I remember I had a situation where it was, like, I there's this one stat um, that's in the emotional intelligence one that, like, leads to you, um, like, basically having these weird, like, supernatural thoughts where you're like, oh, I wonder if something, you know, s- s- supernatural is going on or whatever. And I had this this thing where I passed the role for both that and logic. So it was like my the crazy part of my brain is like, oh, no, what if something sinister is in that garbage can? And then the logical part is like, no, it's a garbage can. There's going to be trash in there. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so funny where, like, you'll have moments where you're like, oh, which side of my brain do I want to side with? I really like that, and I, and I loved the uh, the person that's following around Kim. Kim. I can't remember his yeah. name, and how he just fucks with you half the time. When what was it? It was like, oh, I wish we could. I wish I could see right inside of that trash can. He's like, oh, I'll get one of the like uh, the squad out from the uh, inner vision squad or whatever. He was <laughs> yeah, he's just trolling you, <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's super funny uh my uh my buddy ozzy um who's like one of my oldest friends he he came through and was was in the chat when we were streaming and i remember he and i have been have been texting about it and he was telling me how in like the the first run that he did his main first completed run uh he was p- playing his character he had like the there's like a um I think it's one of the physical stats where it's like you're like a drug expert, like you know all about drugs and you love taking drugs and like whatever. And so he was like, I just made my guy like a crazy drug addict and I was like constantly like going and hiding in places where like Kim couldn't see me so I could take drugs and he knew what I was doing and but like felt bad for me so he never called me out on it. So he's like, so basically I was just an insane drug addict with a very patient babysitter. Wow. <laughs> Which is just so funny. What, what was the one we got? We got Hobocop as one of the... <laughs> what are they called? What, what were they called? Like missions or something? So there are minor missions and everything that are just like you've come up with. Like you, One of them is like you are in the bar and you're like, oh, I could sing karaoke here. And it's like mission, like sing karaoke. And like you don't <laughs> yeah, have to do that like, shit. <laughs> the bartender, not a bartender, cafe manager was like, never going to happen. Never. And it will. I'm going to do it on my <laughs> game. I'll tell you that. Um, but then there's also like Steve called out like hobo cop is one of them. One of them is, is, uh, is like communist cop. One of them is sorry cop. Uh, one of them is interesting cop. And like, they're basically these like character archetypes that you can unlock as you go. So like my guy, I remember in the beginning, um, I was role playing that he was, he wakes up and he is like a reasonable person, right? Like he's just acting like a normal guy and he's like, Oh Jesus! Like I'm a real alcoholic, huh? Like I've really fucked a lot of shit up, and like he keeps having that realization every time he talks to like anybody that like, oh, they already know who I am and they don't like me. So I've been like apologizing to people because my guy's empathetic, and I'm thinking like I'm trying to ingratiate myself to them. I want them to feel a little bit bad for me. Oh, interesting. And, and talk to me a little bit yeah. more. So well, I've go ahead. I was going to say, well, whereas when I was playing, I was playing as I'm an alcoholic, but I see myself as a superstar who has no problem in the alcohol. Just yeah, like, like a delusion of grandeur. Yeah. yeah, it's like totally deluded that this out al- the alcohol is like making me better. And again, like we were licking stains off the yeah. fucking side and stuff. And like I didn't do that uh, when that option came up because basically, and like I had a conversation with um, 
with my brain when it was like, oh, you need alcohol. And I was like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like drinking has worked out that well for me. Like, I don't, I don't know if I should keep doing that. And they're like, oh, I whatever. wonder if there will be any physical effects if you don't drink, though. I think there will like, be. Like, there would be in real life. Like, you'd get the shakes and Kim stuff. Kim mentions that you're going through alcohol withdrawals when you, like, um, there's, a, I don't want to keep spoiling plot points, but. Okay. Um, because right now, we, I know we've talked around, everything we've talked about is the first, like, 30 minutes of the game. So we didn't really spoil anything. So just want to be clear about that. Um, also, the way that you build your character and make decisions makes everything so differently. Like, Steve ran into, like, shit I never saw in, like, 10 minutes. So, um, I got distracted because I was giving that disclaimer. We were saying the thing about, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about Kim, right? Uh, so the alcohol withdrawal, you said that Kim saw you have an alcohol Right, so I was talking about how I've been role-playing my character. So I've been apologizing to everybody, and one of the things that was like, oh, all right, whatever, sorry cop. Like, And it asked me if I wanted to be the sorry cop, and I was like, no, I don't want to be the sorry cop. And it's like, whatever, okay, fine. And then the communist one came up, and I, it gave me that offer. And when you did the hobo cop thing, we said yes, and what we found out I didn't know because I hadn't said yes to any of them yet. I wanted to see what my other options were first. Um, you unlock new dialogue options based on that and new like ways to interact with the world. So like something that we had that had happened was um, we did the hobo cop thing and there's a part where you're like digging through trash and like you got a bunch of prompts that I never saw. And I was like, oh, so there's like even yeah I was hunting through the bin but then the bin was fucking with me saying that like I'd found a gun a rifle a yeah gun. and you were like whoa wait there was a weapon in there and then we go to the haha which was really funny yeah it was good I think that's the biggest draw to the game so far is just the the script is incredible yeah really really fun um and it's interesting there was only one word that was censored which I appreciate. Yeah, but it's very curious to me that that only that one word is censored, even if it's in the script. So the only and for context, the only word that's censored is a is a slur, um, mm-hmm. and like that's why. And I, and I think, I think it's it's the right call because I know for me, um, that can be a tough line to skirt in in fiction, right? Where like. There are some people who have this kind of idea that like you should never use words like that even in fiction and you know no, that... i disagree with that right and and i i think i do too i think it's about how it's used and if it's being used tactfully right and well like... and i said to you on the stream i wish there was an option to uncensor that so i could hate that character even more yeah and you said you're like i want to have a more visceral reaction to it and yeah. like and i think that is something that like is important you know to to like contend with right that like it's not like a flippant use of that word it is to contextualize characters and who they are and what their values are and um in a role-playing game i find that uh, to make the world feel deeper and more authentic you know me um, too and it's not like that kind of character that use that word wouldn't use it in real life because they would yeah and you and you can 100 percent see it and and so yeah uh, and and like it's a word that's been used against me so I kind of wanted to have that full experience, and it's like censored in both the speech, like the the voice, and also the, dialogue. the subtitle dialogue. Um, so it's censored in in both places. Yeah, which I I do think was the right call. Um, but me too. Like you said, you know, I guess you could always give the option to uncensor, but um, yeah, and just like 
the fact that it presents like social situations like that and it allows you to like again you, you said this before you really get to kind of be whatever character you want to be you know like i had a scenario where i was interacting with a racist character and uh i was able to either like ch- like challenge them and kind of like call them out and be like you're a fucking asshole you can kind of um agree with them in a casual way and be like, oh, like, they're not being racist. Like, that, you know, you're just being sensitive or whatever. Yeah, and, and I then... kind of thought that's how the character I was playing would react. Because <laughs> you were a fucking prick, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, like, the third the third one was very much like, I'm not going to touch this. Like, this has nothing to do with me. Like, bye. So, like, the fact that you can kind of, like, like oh, in every situation I've run into, you can either, like, directly antagonize people play them a little bit like and try to feel things out or just be like nope i'm washing my hands of this i'm not interested i love that yeah like it's it- me too and you got like three or three like playthroughs at least that you could go through and the fact that i think was it like four or three or four at the beginning and then you could customize it yourself yeah they give you those like three pre-built configurations to to go in and get a totally different experience with every single time. Yeah, they give you three pre-made builds and they explain like what their skills are and stuff and it's like, oh, like you're like a mad scientist but like you have no human social skills so everybody fucking hates talking to you. Uh the other I forget what the other one was and then there's like the last one is like you're a fucking physical specimen but you're, you're dumb. like a meathead. Yeah, but you're dumb as a bag of hammers. <laughs> but you're like a bad motherfucker, you know? <laughs> So like I- I'm super excited by that because like again right I my character um, I went five five one one so I'm all mental emotional no physicality I'm super excited to play the game again and play a character who's totally physical and like yeah. can't figure anything out you know I like, wonder if you just like intimidate people though by the fact that you are so like athletic or muscular and you have that physical ability I bet I'd be really interested to see what the the options are. I bet you that's how you have to solve situations is like rather than like uh, trick people into giving you and I say trick like that sounds a little more malicious right but like you interrogate people and if you say the right things they tell you what you need to know and if you don't yeah. they don't you know and like which to me is standard policing yeah. like that's kind of what what their job is yeah. as a detective so like I, I love the idea that how you build your character genuinely influences how you solve the murder that you're trying to figure out because like it all really does play so differently. Um, and like, I've already gotten op- opportunities to like get into physical altercations with people and stuff. And like, that's so interesting. Right. Cause I'm like, ah, uh, my guy can't do that. You know, like my guy cannot fight somebody. Like I have, I've, I've been in this situation now where somebody's like blocking something I need to get to. And, uh, and, and every character who's mentioned him is like, yeah, he's built like a brick shit house. I don't know where this guy came from, but he's huge. Don't fuck with him. And I'm like, oh man, I bet if I was maxed out straight, I could yeah, probably could fuck him it. up, you know, just go and just punch him in the face and walk right past him. <laughs> and I, and that was that, that was like one of the other things the game presented, which I didn't realize and didn't know, was the fact that, they, that like, if you do fail a role or you can't solve something because you're just 
your person's not capable. There was that research screen, right? That let you come up with a solution to it. So we had to play like 30 minutes in game and it came up with a solution where I needed to go get an object from somewhere else to come back and solve that puzzle. That's the other thing. Yeah, there are these, uh, they're called ideas and you basically, you'll get a thought and you can either, you can like put it, you have this kind of grid and you start with three spaces and I think it can go up to like 12. And you have um, the ability to, if you have these thoughts, and the thoughts come up naturally, right? So, like, for example, um, the one that Steve's talking about is your character's trying to do something. And uh, if you don't have high enough endurance, the, phys- the physical stat, uh, you just, like, start throwing up and you just can't get past it. And you have to go figure out other solutions. And you get this idea uh, from from Kim, the the you know supporting character, who's basically like you need to get your shit together, and it takes thirty minutes in game for you to quote unquote research that, and then you get, and you have like either a um, a detriment or an, a a benefit while you're researching it, and then once it's unlocked, you get permanent skills boosts. That as long as that idea is equipped, you get that permanent boost. But then you can forget it if you want to replace it for something else or or whatever. So. Um, that's the other way that you can influence your stats other than just, like, up, up uh, upgrading your character naturally. Because you get experience based on, like, doing things successfully or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah, man, it's a great game. It's a really great game. I, I, I hope, like, I think if it's your kind of thing, we've probably said enough at this point to sell you on it. Um, but I will say that, like, if you are one for story in games if you are one for like you love games that are all about making decisions and like kind of testing the boundaries of the world and being like i feel like i should be able to do this is the game gonna let me do this or oh this is what i'd really want to do or say can i do that so far it hasn't i haven't hit that wall i haven't hit that like a oh this is a video game moment and i can't do i can't do this thing i should be able to do um, it's always been explained in universe and felt authentic and, and I've always felt like if I had the right thing or the right skills, I probably could do it. So if that's your jam, Disco Elysium is for you. Uh, yeah, I'm picking this one up. I just can't decide where I want to play. It's on PC and PlayStation at the moment, but I know it's coming to Xbox and, and Nintendo Switch and it's just like, do I just pick this up on PC and play it there Zade- or do I? Zade bought it for me on Steam so we could do the the chat integration. Okay. So I've got it on PC now. So uh I'm I'm ready to roll another character for for the streams and you know we can we'll just have to start over one more time. <laughs> but I think you'll probably get us to that stage anyway. Like we did not like we took a long time to do not very little in that game. Yeah, and we were like talking to chat and stuff, so there would be moments where I'm like, what do you want to do? And we're just like sitting at a screen, so yeah, we could probably move it along a little bit quicker if we wanted to catch up and move on. Um, but yeah, so I I love Disco Elysium. I imagine I'm going to be talking about it uh, for the rest of the year um, off and on. And I'm sure it's a game that's going to come up in the game of the year conversation for me. Um, well, I feel like this would have probably been one of your games of the year last year if you'd have played it. Yep, I agree. And I and having not even been on the controls, but basically playing the game, I feel like it would have been for me as well. Yeah. Like this is a hundred percent my kind of game. And one of the things I didn't like about those inf- Infinity Engine games that inspired Disco Elysium, the Baldur's Gate, the Icewind Dell, the um, 
the torment one it's like it was the combat and the party system and having to like get people to join you to go and do a battle this removes that but has all of the cool role play stuff that you can do yeah. within those games and and i just love that and, like, um, and what was it that ozzy said it's like there's no combat just conflict or something <laughs> yeah that's what he i said. really liked that yeah um and it 100% seems to be the case that, you know, you can't just go up to someone and shoot them in the face. You, you can talk to them. And if if conflict occurs, you have to figure a way out of it, whether that be through your physical ability or through your, like, emotional ability that you've built your character to do. Yeah. And, and also, like, I love how much of it comes down to dice rolls because that was something that, like, we... Uh... You talked about before there are two kinds of dice rolls. There's white dice rolls and red dice rolls. White dice rolls you can do over when you level up the relevant skill. Reds are one time only. And Steve was – there was some white roll that came up where we had like a 90... 92%. 92% chance. And, we yeah, we fucking failed. And that's when, I, that's when Kim had to say to me, oh, maybe you should go see such and such. And we went and, we went and got the item. And I was just like, are you joking? Yeah. And like, we, we failed like an, a 3% one. I was like, well, yes, 3%. Like, there, was, there was very little chance. But 92%, that felt, felt like a dead certain. The fact yeah. that we did actually fail. It's like, oh, my God. I love it. Because it, it really makes things feel like genuinely random. Because um, like, there's a, a thing we haven't gotten to yet in where, where we were playing where like you find in... Uh, Remember you you find the clipboard? It was like your mm -hmm. your notes or whatever. Uh, there's like a compartment in it that you can open. And I had a 3% chance of opening it, but it was white. So I was like, ah, whatever. Like, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll try it again later. Uh, and it was a 3% chance and it worked. And, oh I, and I got this big chunk of backstory and I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's cool, man. It's really cool. It makes It makes the world feel alive and it makes it feel like there are real stakes. Because, like, anything could happen and you could die really easily. At least yeah. my character can. <laughs> and, and what happens if you do die? Does it just reload the save from the point you died? Yeah, it reloads your last so save. So you could give it another go. Not where you died, it reloads your last save. Okay, so did you did you ever get the tie down or did you just leave it? You're I like, did. Fuck, man, I did get it, again. yeah. So what happened was okay. I died and because I died in the beginning of the game, I didn't have a save. So I just started over. And, like, it had my character role, like, preset. So it was just like, da, 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 okay, I'm back. Um, and it literally took me uh, three times before I, I got out of the room without something killing me. <laughs> or, or, like, yeah. running into a wall. Because uh, I, I didn't, I decided not to get the tie after you told me that's how you, how you died. I was like, no, I'm not bothering with that. I'll just f forget the tie. The tie is an interesting item. I think that it's going to have significance at some point because it talks to you a lot. And I'm like, is this just funny or is it like, is this, is this going to matter at some point? I don't know. But okay, interesting. Maybe I will regret not taking the tie. Hmm. <laughs> to say. I'm excited about the other game you've been playing as well, though. We should touch on that before we move on to the, to the news. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the other game I jumped into this week was Grindstone, uh, which Steve yes. talked about two, three weeks ago, maybe. It was back at the beginning of the month. Um, oh, my God. I love it. It's, it's so, so good. good, right? It's like the best puzzle game I've played in, like, years. I, I know. I know. Like I, It really is. It's so, it's so unique. So, like... Uh, if you're not aware, right, or if you missed our, our discussion about it previously, it's a puzzle game where, you know, um, it's kind of like a Puyo Puyo, 
where they're like you're on a on a board and there are all these enemies yeah it looks like a lot of them it looks like candy crush or bejeweled yeah you've got like colored basically colored blobs on a on a checkerboard yeah and they're like these cutesy little monsters and your character is like uh an adventurer warrior type whatever and each board you know you you go like you basically build chains of similar colors to build up combos and either like attack bigger enemies or like hit certain objectives like there are like collectibles you need to get on each level and everything to like you know mark it complete and and whatever um and yeah man i i love it it's been my like uh i'm in bed like cooling off before i actually go to sleep game lately and i am on the i think you get to the third map and like halfway through it there's like that little side world where you go underground so i don't know how far that is but i'm i'm like probably so the third maps is that like the plant based enemies No. So they're like vines and stuff. Maybe no. that's number four. That's probably four. Okay. Yeah. So I think I've probably played like thirty or forty levels, maybe, maybe more. Yeah. There's like, know. there's like two hundred and fifty or something. It's yeah. a crazy number. Do you get the daily grinds on the Switch version? Yes, you do. Awesome. Yeah, because they're really fun, and that that kept me coming back. I wanted to rank up on that leaderboard. Yeah. Uh, I I really liked it. The the greed grind and the speed grind. I've only done it like once or twice because. I had a moment where I was doing it and I was like, hmm, I don't think I get this game enough to do this yet. You yeah, know? you kind of also need to get familiar with the enemies that it presents to you because it presents you some from very high levels that you won't have seen before. Like some of those Vine ones I was talking about, which if you haven't met yet, can be like... It can be a little bit intimidating. It's like, well, how do I approach these? How, how do I kill these? Yeah, so I kind of just was like, I'm going to just keep playing to like get my chops up. You know, um, and now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I'm doing like 20, 30 combos. Right. Like, you yeah. like a hero and you get like that, that square gem with like all the sides or whatever. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting the strategy of it more and more. And yeah, man, I'm just into it. Like I, I've been fully completing every level before I move on. Like I try to fully complete it on my first run. And if I can't, then I just. I've been running it again to make sure I get like yeah, a, that's what I do. Make sure you get the crown, the crown. or the chest or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's always and the, the crowns crown. are important because that's how you get to the next world, right? It unlocks the door and right. you go up to like the next world, which is really important. Uh, and what do you think about the unlockable items, like the weapons you get? I don't know if you've got any of the armor yet. Yeah, um, the potions, things like that that you can you can get down at the inn. So, I like them. Um, it, it gives the game like a real roguelike kind of quality, you know, where like you're you're constantly like trying to progress your characters, so you can get further and everything. I think I wish that they were a little deeper sometimes. Mm-hmm. I haven't unlocked all of them, but like I've definitely unlocked a good number at this point, and some of them are way way more useful than others. I and... agree, but then some of them also serve like a fixed purpose, like the pickaxe. So- yeah, there's the, and and I wish that's the one criti- criticism I have of that overworld. I wish it showed you either a recommendation or it let you see the board before you had to make your loadout. So you could see the board and go, oh, there are boulders on this level. I want the pickaxe. Yeah. 
and you can make that choice before you went in because i've got to the i have done it a few times you like load in it's like oh there's boulders you quit out you go to the inn you go get you load up your pickaxe and then you go back and right. it's not a problem in the early games where uh, the early game when you've got three slots and only you've only got three weapons uh or uh, but as you progress further in you might have used like one suit on one level and then on the next level you need a different suit or you yeah. want a different yeah. bow and arrow and that kind of stuff and so that can become quite frustrating and annoying but other than that i i really 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 love that game i think it um, also it also bugs me that you have to go to the inn to equip different things because it's it's not too. a big deal but it is one of those things where like i start a level and i immediately realize that i need a different item so I back out, I push on the, I tap to go back to the in, the in loads in. And again, these are all like one second loads. It's not like a long wait, but it's just yeah. cumbersome, right? Because then the in loads in and then you have to go to the right floor and go and navigate to each one of the items that you want. And it's just like, it ends up going from something that like, I feel like I should be able to just be like, oh, back out, boop, 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 go back in. Whereas, like, Green. I have or to take, like, have four reset steps. reset loadouts. Like, yeah. have a loadout for something that is, like, a boulder level. Have a loadout for a boss level. Have a loadout for one with poison puddles. All of that stuff. Yeah. And if you had, had that... And I think the way the greed grind does it, all those daily grinds does it, is the perfect way. Like, yeah. they really solve this problem. You load into the game. You see the map. It does all that preload stuff. And then it's like, right, select what armor you want. Select what weapon you want. And that's how it should be done. If they added that option for all of the built-in levels, then I really feel that that would just solve that problem. Yeah, I think either of those solutions would, would be better, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a minor complaint. Like, it, it's it's definitely something that, like, I, I would love to see done differently because it's kind of the one quality of life thing that, like, I have kind of kept bumping up against. Um, but other than that, I think the game is great. Like, it's, I think the art style is really good. Um, it's super, like, distinct. It has personality. And I think that that is something that a lot of games struggle with. And it's kind of intangible, right? Is like style and like having a voice. And like, the game has style, it has a voice. It, like, you look at it and it, immediate like every piece of it communicates to you that this is grindstone and like gives you that same aesthetic and that just kind of like clarity of vision is something that i've really appreciated about it you know like it's a simple game but it's very it's very 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 tight and very well executed and like there's care and thought put into every piece of it you know um, and yeah. I think that to me is always the thing that takes like the smaller kind of arcadey game like that to the next level where it's not just a good gameplay loop. It's not just a satisfying system that it's also like, yeah, man, like this has some character, you know? Yeah. And, and everything in that game has got personality, like from the tiny little creatures that you're attacking and like you, you go to swipe on them and they're like freaking out that you're going to come and <laughs> chop them down. Yeah. To, and the animations to, are really good. Like when you're going yeah. through and your character's got his sword and he's just slashing all the monsters and stuff. And oh, and when he gets to like that big enemy and he's like that one big sword <laughs> strike. 
yeah, yeah and you it's feel like so an good. absolute hero that you've managed to do it in uh, in the chain and, and then i love it when you can just do that one big chain get everything and then just exit the door oh, and yeah. you've done like all of it and it's like oh the satisfaction where i've just like gone around and done it all and i love the the way he looks when he takes damage like he gets like the black eye and his like his face gets He's all like swollen yeah. and he, he starts wobbling <laughs> and stuff it's yeah it's super funny um yeah man i i I really love Grindstone. I, it's it's awesome. You did not oversell. Uh, so if, if it sounded interesting when Steve talked about it, um, I'm here to endorse. You should pick up Grindstone. It is the good shit. And I will say, little expensive for a puzzle game, worth every penny. But, yeah, the number of levels you get is, yeah. is insane. Because it's, it's like 20 bucks. And some people are going to be like, oh, I don't want to pay that for a puzzle game. It's absolutely worth it. In my opinion. So, Steve, you were playing a little bit more Littlewood. I, I was, yeah. And I actually, I, I want to talk to you about streaming this this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd like to start a new level with you, start a new world with you, like okay. you did with me with Disco Elysium. We start something new, and we kind of progress. But I'll show you my time before we do that. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah. just been playing this constantly. This is the game that's been um, taking up all my time at the moment. And it's kind of the game I needed at the moment. So you're here, if you listen to After Dark this week, I've been helping someone move house and just coming back and relaxing with this is just great. Um, and I've made it to, to winter. So it very much is like Animal Crossing Stardew Valley in that it has seasons. And I've made it to, I finally unlocked the Master Forge. And me and Chewie were chatting in DM with you about this game. Yeah. And I really hope he was selling you on it because I, I think you'd love it. I really do. You guys and definitely you made, me, love made it, it sound interesting. I, I, I think it would be for Sarah, maybe. Like if she's big into Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley or whatever, then this might be something that she'd be interested in. I'm just trying to sell everyone on this game at this point. Like I've tried selling Macaulay on it. My friend came over for a barbecue with his girlfriend. I was trying to sell her on it. I was like, everyone needs to like play Littlewood. Um, so yeah, this is just my weekly endorsement. Go and play Littlewood. <laughs> and it's so cheap in the UK. It's like 10 quid. It's worth it. It's double that over here. They're killing me. Um but yeah, I, I am still interested in it. I'm like in a weird spot right now where like I went from having nothing to play to like just an embarrassment of riches now, yeah. now. Yeah. Like I'm, I've got two, you know, triple A replays in the middle with Dishonored and, and Ghost and then um, knee deep in Disco Elysium and I don't think anything's going to pull me away from that right now. And I've got Grindstone. Well, you've got two weeks till Pokemon Snap, so you better hurry up and uh, sort that out. I know. <laughs> oh, man. And not too much longer until Mass Effect. Let's fucking go, baby. Let's fucking go. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm like viscerally excited. I have to like not think about the fact that Mass Effect is coming because it makes me sad that it's so far away. Ah, I'm so excited. Anyway, let's jump into the news 43 minutes into the show. Uh, So (laughs) first, uh, this is like the big video game story this week. I feel like it's like the thing that happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is MLB The Show is coming to Xbox Game Pass day one. So, crazy. that is crazy. A lot of people probably don't know why that's crazy. So, I'll give you the context. So, The Show uh, is has been the MLB game, right? It's like the only Major League Baseball, um, you know, AAA experience uh, for like years at this point. And it's been a PlayStation exclusive for 
in the neighborhood of like 10 years, I think. It's it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um Steve's looking it up right now. So um and it's developed by one of Sony's internal studios, you know. San Diego. Yeah, Sony San Diego. And so this since is since 2014, it's been the only baseball game on market, and okay. it debuted in 2006 on the PS2. So since 2006, has been a this game itself has been a uh, an exclusive to a Sony platform, and it's been the only game in town for what eight years. It's a lot. It's crazy. So yeah, the show is being like the de facto baseball game and being a PlayStation exclusive. Obviously, uh, big feather in Sony's cap. Um, not the best thing if you're a fan of baseball, right? And you want to play that game means you had to get a PlayStation and, you know, maybe last gen, that wasn't such a big deal. Um, but as you know, gaming continues to get wider and wider, like you got to imagine that the MLB, uh, you know, wants to see a little bit more money, right? Wants more, more piece of that pie. Um, so, you know, a few weeks ago, Maybe months ago, I'm I'm not totally sure what the timeline was because you know it's hard to keep up with time these days. But it was announced that the show was going to be going multi-platform and that it would be. It was, yeah, that was at the beginning of February, first of February. Sony put it on their blog and said that we're going to have a PlayStation Studios game on on Xbox. Xbox. And obviously, you know that was a big deal. That was a big, big, big piece of news, and it was something that you know there was a lot of kind of like debate and you know conversation around why did this happen you know like oh my god the power of xbox the power of of game pass whatever and like that may be the case i think it's probably more a licensing thing that like the mlb I think it's more, yeah the power of mlb saying we really shouldn't just have this one game restricted to one platform right and sony probably making the decision of like well we don't want to lose this and also this is what sony san diego does so like if they lose that license, what does that studio do? Do you close that studio? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So compromise that it seemed like, you know, they were kind of forced to make and it was what it was, right? Surprising, big news, but not the craziest thing in the world. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, that probably makes sense. This, though. It's not like God of War coming to Xbox. It's, right. you know, it's a, it's a licensed game. It's a baseball game. Uh, in the same way that I think, like, if, if we found out that, like, Machine Games Indiana Jones game was coming to PlayStation, you'd be like, that probably makes sense, you know? I think it probably is, yeah. Um, But it coming to Game Pass day one, I think that's a whole other animal entirely. Uh, Me too. And it's phenomenal that it's coming. Um, Steven Totillo did a bit of digging, so former editor-in-chief at Kotaku, now working at Axios Gaming, launching their new newsletter. Um, he seems to think that the... So he reached out to, to Xbox PO, he said, we don't talk about the nature of our business deals, but knows from experience that a lot of these deals happen with the publishers, not the, the studios themselves. Right. And so Sony's publishing the game on their platform, obviously as they do with all of their games. But it looks like MLB actually publishes this game on Xbox. So it's likely that Microsoft, oh. had, that, Microsoft had that publishing deal to get it on Game Pass with MLB rather than with Sony themselves. That is interesting. Because I, I, I remember you had made the comment, um, 
on Twitter, I think it was, where you were like, oh, like, this speaks to the negotiating power of Game Pass and of Xbox. And, like, I guess not. Maybe it's just the MLB. Um, I know. But this is not good, in my eyes, for Sony. Like, imagine if you have both consoles and it was, we've gone from what was an exclusive game, you had to buy a, a PlayStation in order to play this game, to for my ten ninety nine a month, I can play this game for free, included with Game Pass Day 1. I can imagine that. I, I am that person. I could do that if I wanted. Um, and it's yeah. funny, I was talking about it with my buddy Mike. Um, I was like, I might, I might play it. Like, not, I probably won't play it for any stretch of time, you know? Like, I don't really, like, fuck with sports games anymore because they're all Sims, and I don't like Sims. Um, I want arcade, but I always liked baseball games and like baseball is the, the sport that I am like the most nostalgic for because my dad is a big baseball fan. So like he was always watching Yankee games and stuff and you know, there's like 900 baseball games a year or whatever. So it was fucking always on in my house. Um, so like there's, there's a, like a romanticness to the idea of of a baseball game for me, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, for like free, oh, shit. Why not, right? Kick the tire. I know, out. yes, and that's and that's what probably most people will do, who have both consoles. Yeah. Which I mean, so. not great for Sony. Great for the show, though. Yeah, really great for the show, and this may actually break this game out of really just being, I guess, big in the U.S. It's kind of been in a rut don't. too. I feel like you know, like. Not that they're bad, but, like, who talks about the show, right? Like, you... I'd never heard of it until the news of it coming to Xbox, bro. Right. Never, ever heard of it. I'm granted, I'm in the UK. We don't even air baseball on TV. We we don't watch it. We don't even know what the rules are. So, uh, I'm not the the number one person to know what this It's kind of like how FIFA is fucking huge for you guys, and over here, it's like, whatever. You know, like it's not, yeah. it's not Whereas not popular, the, um, but it's not Madden, right. What you have Madden, right? That's yeah. the big one, big one there. Yeah, Madden and like NBA Two K are like the fucking the big sports games here. You know, um, and I'm sure that they're not nearly as popular overseas because you guys don't give a shit about American football uh, or basketball. I would imagine basketball less so. Like we know that we play that. Nobody here plays American football. We don't know how it plays. Like we have rugby, which I guess is similar, but without all the weird suit stuff. I have wear. no idea how similar they are. Like I know that the ball is roughly similar, and that like you get tackled and stuff. But that's about all I know about. Like I don't. All, my entire knowledge of rugby comes from that one episode of Friends where Ross plays rugby. Oh yeah, he plays it. <laughs> he's like dating Emily's the friends, uh, yeah. yeah, he's dating the British woman Emily. <laughs> And I'm like, that's about it. I know there's a scrum. Uh, that's a th- it's a huddle. I know that. That's about it. That's yeah. all I got for you. And then they kick a ball over like this this H thing. It's funny and though. Also, it's more like a Y. Is rugby like popular in other countries, or is that mostly a, a UK thing? No, it's pop. So uh, there is six nations rugby, which is the six main countries that play rugby which is England, Scotland, Wales, and I think it's New Zealand, South Africa. So there's the New Zealand All Blacks, which is a big rugby team, and they're like the world number one best team in the world, usually. South Africa and somewhere else. Maybe Australia. I apologize. Yeah, it's probably... All those places that you guys colonize the fuck out of. Basically, yeah. Basically, (laughs) all former British Empire states. (laughs) And like, yeah, I don't know, because it's like... 
like when I think of British sports, like obviously soccer is the big thing, but you guys have rugby and cricket, and cricket's like another one where it's just like, does anybody else like? I know India has cricket. India, Pakistan, Australia. So England plays with Australia every year in this tournament called the Ashes. They play Test cricket, which are three day long matches of cricket, and they have hundreds of runs. And whoever wins that gets the Ashes, which is this tiny little trophy. It's about this big. <laughs> Uh, which has like ashes inside this urn, um, which were burnt wickets. So it's ashes of a wicket that was burned. Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, And that just goes back and forth between England and Australia. And then uh, we also have hockey here. That's the other thing. That's that's all I know about sports now. Um, Anyway, uh, big deal. Interesting to see. I'm going to be interested to see where this goes from here. Like, is PlayStation going to want to keep doing this or are they going to start feeling like they're like they're not happy with this deal anymore i don't know. i wouldn't be happy with this deal yeah i don't know that i would be either like to combat this they have to put it on playstation plus at this point because no one's gonna buy the game otherwise yeah i remember uh greg miller uh tweeted about it and he's like this is a great look for xbox and an embarrassing look for playstation i'm paraphrasing but yeah it's not it does not make their service look attractive that one of their own developed titles is on their competitor's platform and not their own. <laughs> not a great one. Uh, all right, so uh, jumping into the next one, uh, we got some stats on Monster Hunter Rise uh, that are really interesting. These actually come from a uh, friend of the show, uh, Stealth, who was, uh, I think, the first guest we ever had on the show like ages ago. Um, yeah, one of the first, if not the first, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he uh, was tweeting a little bit about Monster Hunter Rise and said that uh, Monster Hunter Rise broke Animal Crossing New Horizons record in Japan. He said in COMG, which is, I guess, their like their NPD. You know, I, I, I don't know what that means. I, I, I think it's their NPD numbers, basically. But... Um, oh yeah, it's the C O M G. Uh, pr- apparently pronounced Kong or Kong. Okay. Uh, it's that that video game charts. Right. Yeah. So it's it's just their you know their their numbers. Um. So he said, insanely impressive. The three day launch looks to be one point eight million plus physical units sold, including digital. We're looking at a possible two point five million in three days, which is just absurd that's like more than pikmin 3 sold in total right i think so yeah um i mean it speaks to the overwhelming popularity of monster hunter overseas that game is huge in japan and it's one of those things that like i feel like it always um and this is like even for me as somebody who knew this like as a Westerner, it always felt obscure. Like it was like, oh yeah, that's like a thing that my friends that are like really into anime and like Japanese games and like it was like a deep cut like nerd thing. But I knew it was a big deal in Japan. And I feel like now that World came out and like Monster Hunter is like on the map a little bit more and people are a little more aware of it. And that kind of game has come into vogue, right? Because Monster Hunter was like way ahead of its time, kind of. Uh I think now people are paying attention to it more than they used to. 
So, like, the fact that it's selling like this, you're like, holy shit, this sells better than Animal Crossing in Japan? How? It's like, oh. I know. It's a big fucking deal, man. (laughs) And those are, like, 2.5 million, and that's just Japan. Like, I'm so curious to see the figures when you bring in all the worldwide sales. Because I know a bunch of people in our Discord have been playing it. I've seen a bunch of people on Twitter playing it. Twitch. I've seen people streaming it. Like, Like, I think it's going to be big. Like, it... I don't know that it'll sell, have sold, you know, almost 4 million copies, but if it sold a million, 2 million, that's A, not unreasonable, and B, that just became one of the best selling games on Switch. In like a day, like in a a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking wild, man. It's probably going to be one of the biggest sellers this year. I think think it's going to sell more than World, and I think that's going to surprise them. Easily. I think easily it's going to sell more than world. Yeah. I, I, and I, I really think it's because people associate this series with a handheld console. It's been on handheld forever. But I also think, and we've talked about this before, like there's a real cultural difference in the way that Japanese players play games. You know, like, and, and again. This well, is... I was actually just watching Japanese videos because like it's the thing we're on on YouTube at the moment. And their apartments, apparently, in average, are 35 square feet. Yes. So I can understand why they don't really have much space for a TV and to play video games in the same way that we do in the West. Yeah. But space is limited. And so they play their games when they can, where they can. And and I, I have, and again, this is anecdotal, right? Never been in Japan, not Japanese. Um, but the smaller apartments from what i've read it, it, there's like this li- like their lifestyles are less centered around the home right about like the i'm going to go home and sit on my couch in front of my entertainment center for 10 hours or whatever like that culture is just not there as much and so like there is a lot more like rather than having friends over you go and meet for dinner and things like that so there's like a lot more travel a lot and like they're very very like you know centered around public transportation and like the major mm-hmm. air like the you know the bullet train and everything it's like you know people take the train everywhere right so if you're on the train like two three hours a day that's a huge chunk of time for you to play games you know um so yeah i i think it is like it is associated with nintendo but i also do think that like it just speaks to the way that japanese players want to play games more they're more likely to engage with the game on the switch than on the playstation yeah uh, yeah i think i think you're right um, do you think this is going to be a game you pick up? No. Like, I never I never even played World. The last Monster Hunter game I played was on PSP. So I don't know if this is one for me. I'm definitely not going to get it. Um, Monster Hunter is not for me. It's never been for me. I got World when it came out, and it was very much like uh, an opportunistic purchase, right? Where like it came out in January, I think, of 2018. Or it, it was like the it was the first big game of that year, and I was close to buying it because I was like, "Wow, I love Horizon, and this sort of looks similar." And there's yeah. the Aloy crossover uh-huh. that's coming I did that in. Too. I was, I was like, "Do I want to get this?" But I, I stopped myself. And and so it was that for me. Like I was, it's January. I'm itching for a new game, especially like the new hotness that everyone's talking about, and like three to seven of my like hometown close friends were all like all got it and were like we're playing get it like come on let's go raid so i played it for like a month maybe maybe two weeks and i hit the point i hit in every game like that 
um, which is I don't like it enough for it to be the only game that I play. And my and friends, friends went ahead of you. <laughs> yep. And then I'm playing with there. them and they're stringing me along and I'm like 10 levels lower than everybody and I'm not really contributing and I'm dying all the time. And it's just like, this isn't fun. Like, I want to play a game with you guys, but I don't like this game, you know? And maybe Rise is that kind of thing, you know, because it's less focused on multiplayer. There's more of a single player element. I know you can team up with other people, yeah. but it's not like the focus of the game like World was. Yeah. But yeah, if you don't like that style of game, then yeah, it's not for you. And and I, apparently the combat yeah. is more Soulsy. Like there's animation stop and yeah. like, you know, you have to very much learn the monsters you're attacking. And that does sound cool. But I don't know. I just I just don't think it's for me because like again like when I played World like the story sucked like a lot like none of the characters. I think that's like I don't think that's why you play those games. No, you don't I, go. I really want to play a Capcom game for a great story. I mean, have you seen Resident Evil? That's probably their like like story focused game, yeah. and the story sucks. Like the story really fucking sucks. Well, and that's the thing though, right? Is like that's fine. Like, I can vibe with that. Uh, games don't need to have a story for me to be interested. But, like, it has a story. So it's like, bad. Yeah. And it would be, like, this thing, too, where, again, right, the whole point of this game is to play with your friends. I'm trying to play with my friends. And I'm like, oh, guys, I'm working on this armor, and I'm trying to hunt these monsters or whatever, and I want to do this. Oh, but I just got to a story mission. Okay. All right. I'll play through this real quick on comms well, with everybody. And like. Destiny does that right, that like you can progress and play with your friends without having to do all of those story mission things yeah. on your own. So it would be like, I would have to like either get them in a party and go and do a thing, and then I'm sitting there while a cutscene's playing, and they're just like waiting, or I'm playing by myself so I can get past it so I can play again normally. And it, it was just not satisfying. It was a bad loop. And I think for a lot of people... It's a great loop. I'm not talking shit about Monster Hunter. It's just not for me. And I've tried, and I know it's not for me, and I'm not going to blow another 60 bucks to play this game for 10 hours and be like, I don't like this. You know, and that yep. wasn't even the first Monster Hunter I tried. That was like the third one I've tried. And I'm just like, this is not, it's not for me. Um, which is cool. That's fine. You know, different strokes for different folks. That's why we have more than one kind of game. I agreed. I just very much appreciated all the memes coming out of the character creator this week. That was uh, yeah. was having a great great time looking at all those. And I I'm happy to see people like popping off. Like I know motherfuckers love Monster Hunter, and like that is a thing that I'm very susceptible to is like secondhand enjoyment, right? Of like the fact that people are like wilding out and have a good time with it. I'm like, yeah, man, good for you guys. That's yeah, awesome. but that always hooks me in. Then I'm. <laughs> I, I, I end up buying the game that I know I don't like anyway. <laughs> Everyone else enjoying it. I've done I that, that enough. Real FOMO, absolute FOMO. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm missing out on this. I need this game, and then I get it, and I'm like, this sucks. I don't like this. Why? Why was everyone enjoying this? Big pass. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I've just done it enough now that I'm I'm kind of like I got it. I know I know what I want or what I don't yeah. want, and you know yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know my tastes enough to be like. This is not for me right now. Um, and I've gotten better about that time-wise, too. Because, like, Littlewood sounds like a game for me, but it's not a game I'm in the mood for. So I'm like, I'm not going to buy it. I'll wait. I get that, yeah. You know? All right, so let's jump into our main topic. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Mario's dead. 
or so the mainstream media would have you believe. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. CNN's report that fans are very, very afraid that, that Mario is dead and Nintendo has killed Mario. Off. Will there ever be another Mario? I... So... <laughs> okay. So, uh, if you're a long-time listener, you're probably familiar with the fact that I went to... My my college degree is in is in journalism, right? So that's like what I studied. Um, it's close to my heart. And I went to school for journalism with the intention of wanting to, you know, to do games commentary uh, and, you know, entertainment, pop culture. So there's nothing funnier to me than when a major news outlet has someone that doesn't understand a medium, an art form, whatever, write about it. Um, because you get gems like this, where CNN says that fans are afraid that that there's never going to be another Mario game, and it's like, bro, that's not what's happening at all, at all. And uh, it just, it, it's funny because I feel like specifically I see Gene Park from the Washington Post, like every time this happens, just dunk on people, where he's just like, this is why you need people who play video games to report on video games, like. <laughs> It's like what the and it's such a like it's such a like you can tell that boomers run this organization, right? Like boomers run CNN because just think about it this way, right? I get it. We're big fucking dorks. We care about video games in this deep intimate way that normal people don't. And to write about games for normal people, you don't necessarily need to know all of the ins and outs, right? But if you're going to bother to report on such a thing, it might be helpful to have somebody who's at least casually familiar. 100%. And I gather this was on the business side, but the fact that they left the story up after basically everyone dunked on it, uh, dunk, was dunking on it, it just makes me laugh so much. And some of the lines in it are just choice. Comical. To be, to be sure, fan theory, theories on the internet aren't always reliable, and there is reason to hope that Mario will live on. It's probably also worth noting, too, that March 31st comes just before April Fool's Day, implying that this was all just, like, one big joke. And <laughs> totally You don't know the what the fuck point. you're talking about. <laughs> like, you're just pulling things out of your ass. Like, there is answers to these things if you do a little bit of research, which is your fucking job as a journalist. And, and again, right, like, the, you said it's a business thing. Here's the thing. Video games are a giant fucking business. If you're going to write about them in your business section, have someone on your business team with a background in tech. They don't have to you be know, a like, fucking expert like Bloomberg, gamer. Like Bloomberg Business hired uh, Jason, Jason Schreier. That was a, right? a pretty good hire. <laughs> or, you know, like somebody like Gita. Like Gita um, uh, Jackson, Jackson, right? Who, like, used to work at Kotaku, and now she's, like, a general tech reporter. She still reports on games sometimes, but, like, it's more, like, general tech news and culture mm -hmm. right and like you don't have to have just a games person you could have a like tech person who knows shit about games you know and like maybe has a background in games journalism to some degree you know um it's not like there's a fucking shortage of them and it, it it's insane because it it speaks to how ignorant older people are about video games as a thing like not just to not know this stuff but to not even have the foresight that you might want someone who knows about it to report on it because it's like can you imagine if like they hired me 
to be like a sports journalist. I could literally <laughs> write what happened, but I would not be able to provide any insight yeah, or context. And maybe you wouldn't under the, understand the context if a meme was trending on Twitter. You right. Know, like the hashtag Mario dies. Because like, oh my God, I'm not part of the culture of this mm-hmm. thing that is entirely based around a culture. There is a culture of sports. There is a culture of games, of movies, of books, of anything. Would you have somebody who's never seen a movie do a movie review? Like, what are we fucking well, doing? Imagine if I reviewed all the Marvel movies. I went in and I was like, oh, there's this guy that shoots web out of his, his hands. And... <laughs> or again, that you started doing it at like Endgame and you hadn't seen any other ones. You're like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, Let's get this movie. This movie was trash. I don't know any any of the characters or what was going on. <laughs> Needs more context. So anyway, uh, we wanted to start this just to dunk on, on on CNN a little bit because it was hilarious. But I I did want to use this as an opportunity to kind of have a conversation about uh, the limited release window, right? And kind of what's going on here. So, uh, Video Games Chronicle had an article this week um, that was, I thought was interesting, right? It was, it's titled, Nintendo is reportedly trying limited time games, quote, because data shows re-release sales wither. And you get into a lot of the data here, right? And, you know, we talked last week with uh, Chris Brandrick from Switch Weekly. Uh, Go check out that episode. Great interview. Thank you again for Chris for joining us. Um... And we talked all about how the the Mario uh, well, 3D All-Stars collection um, yeah. was a best-selling game. Except it wasn't on any of the people's um, like top played, played games. games last year. Right. So it's so people that bought the game and no one had played it. Or, or had played it but not played it as much as the other major releases that year or whatever. But right? what other major releases were there? I mean, there was Paper Mario, also didn't rank. Animal there was Crossing. Animal Crossing, which was number one. But that still doesn't mean that, you know, where was, where was Mario All-Stars? You would expect it to be there somewhere. It was arguably the second biggest game Nintendo released last year. Right, right. And I think it speaks to this idea that people want to buy those things more as a collector's item than as a piece of software. And that's fine. But, you know, with with this kind of context, right, of the data that um that sales do dwindle, it makes sense, right? Um so there there's a quote here in the uh in the article that I'm gonna pull from and uh shout out to Tom Ivan who wrote this over at Video Games Chronicle. Appreciate the roundup. So this this quote comes from Future Source Consulting, uh, their gaming analyst Morris Garrard, Garrard, uh, Gr- Garrard, um, who said the the strategy is sure to create urgency among Switch users to purchase content and avoid missing out on the experience, fueled also by the immediate attention the strategy is already garnering, right? And like we've talked about this, then we'll talk about it again now. It works. And... Oh, yeah, and the article even referenced the that Disney previously locked its films in the Disney Vault, the Disney Vault, which always fucking worked, and it was the most excruciatingly annoying thing when you wanted to get like Aladdin, but it was in the it was in the Disney Vault till next year, and you had to wait. Right, 
And you saw this strategy work for Nintendo in the past, right? With the NES and Super Nintendo minis, with the Game & Watch re-release for Mario, with Amiibo. Anybody remember when they announced Amiibo and everyone was like, oh, that's cool. And then they were yeah. and then they were hard to get. And, and don't forget the mini consoles. They they I just said, yeah, yeah. Intent- oh yeah, they intentionally made few of those and then mm-hmm. did was like, Well, we're gonna do one more print run and then that's it. And they were just like gone straight away. Mm-hmm. Because it creates urgency. It makes it a thing that you're like, well, if I don't get it, it's gone. I'll never get it again. And like I have every one of the mini consoles. I have barely used them. Do you know what? I can understand that for 3D All-Stars. I just don't understand it for Super Mario 35. It made no sense to just take that down. You were giving that away for free to anyone that subscribed to Switch Online anyway. It wasn't like you had to take it away. But I get that... I guess maybe they felt that, well, we've committed to, to taking these away and people will feel that we won't do it. You know, it's like when a parent says... Oh, if you don't clean your room, you you uh, you won't get your toys or whatever. But then they give them to you anyway. You know, you've sometimes got to follow through with the threat. Yeah. And it feels like that's a little bit what Nintendo's done here by by taking that down. And it, and uh, um, it, it, John Cartwright even posted that he his version was still playable on the day when they took it down for everyone else. Some people were getting an error, and he was still getting matched up with thirty five other people. So it wasn't like people weren't wanting to play the game. There was he was still getting like matched up with a solid amount of people, a full match every single time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. I, I remember saying at the time that I didn't like that. I don't like the idea of like releasing a, a game for a month and then it's just gone forever. Or not a month, but you know, whatever. And it's just like now it just doesn't exist anymore. Like that's I don't like that. Um and I don't see what the value in that is, frankly. Like I guess if there were people who wanted to play it that didn't have Nintendo Switch online or weren't going to renew and then they did or whatever, fine. But, like, I don't know. That that doesn't sit with me as well. Um, but something I thought was interesting here, too, they had another quote from an anonymous developer who spoke with Vice um, who was referencing, like, a private meeting with Nintendo. And they said they have data that shows that re-releases of games tend to wither on wish lists. The manufactured fear of missing out uh, helps them get those sales, or so they think. And I think, I mean, it makes sense, right? Uh, this is this is another quote from uh, from Morris from Future Source. Imposing these time restrictions is expected to aid these limited edition games in cutting through the noise. I think that's true, because I know for me, if um. If, if there hadn't been a limited window on 3D, uh, or the 35, sorry. 3D All-Stars? 3D All-Stars, just too many Mario games. Uh, I don't know that I would have rushed to buy it. I definitely wouldn't have rushed to buy it. Um, especially with 3D World coming out. Yeah. I, I really felt like I got a bit Mario fatigue last year. It was just kind of like, oh my god, another one? Um... Uh, and I think if they if they had said, yeah, we're just releasing this, it's going to be available forever, then I, I probably wouldn't have pre-ordered it. But because they did that whole it's a limited time only, we're taking it away at this point, I pre-ordered it instantly. I bought I like, two copies. I want. Yeah. So like, that's something I want in my collection. Yep. 
and I knew that I would want one sealed and either a friend might need it or maybe down the line when it's worth a ton of money as a collector's item and I need a couple bucks in my pocket and I've got an extra one. Like, I was like, fuck it. I'll get two of them, whatever. Um, because you look at the, the one they did on Wii, that sells for a ton of money. So, um, you know, I don't know. It sucks. It sucks. I, I definitely, like, I'm not defending it, but, like, Nintendo's not dumb, right? And I said no, this when not. they announced it. They're doing it because it works. They're doing it because we just told the fucking story about how we wouldn't have bought it, and instead they got three sales out of the two of us. So and the problem is, we've uh, they've tested the experiment. It worked, and they're gonna do it again now for Zelda. I'm a hundred percent sure of it. We're gonna get a Zelda collection, and Wind Waker's gonna be in there, and I'm gonna buy it anyway because i want wind waker but if it's the only time i'll ever be able to buy wind waker on switch then you bet i'm going out pre-ordering that day one i feel like they're gonna do this oh sorry excuse me i feel like they're gonna do this every year from now on i think this is just gonna be par for the course until people stop buying it until there's like a a, a very famous blop where they do it and it doesn't work um because like look at like that fire emblem game that they put out, like, you know a bunch of motherfuckers bought that who would never have bought it or played it. It was in the chart in the UK, and I was like, seriously? Yep. For like a and why is this game? not on the NES? Like, not even 30. It's like a 40-year-old game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, why wouldn't they? Right? Like, you get massive return for minimal effort. They sold 8 million they've copies. Already, they've already made the GameCube emulator now right. as well. Like, that's done. That work is done. Just now all they've got to do is just pop the ROM in, patch it a little bit. Give me done. them. Give me them all. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, as as much as it is disappointing, I think these numbers absolutely prove that it is a, it's a good strategy. And frankly, they'd probably be stupid to not keep doing it from a business perspective, right? So, uh, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those tough things where it's like i i would re- i would advise you speak with your wallet um but i say but that you're gonna do it anyway you're gonna buy it anyway yeah you're damn right i will hypocritical thing because i'm a fucking mark exactly which is why i'm not telling you not to do it i'm telling you to listen to your heart and you, you gotta do what you gotta do man there is no ethical consumption in late stage capitalism so don't let anybody make you feel bad about buying something that makes you feel good every company is evil some are just a little less evil than others so do what you're going to do, man. You want to buy your limited edition games and never play them because it makes you feel something? God bless. <laughs> so uh, that's that's my rant, I guess, on this for today. Uh, so if you guys want to let us know what you thought about this or any of the other stories we talked about today, uh, please remember you can write into me at peteatlupots.com and get your thoughts right on the air in our MailPot segment. You can hit us up on our Discord. Go over the Potscast channel where every week we uh, also source some questions. Um, yeah, get in touch. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what um, you'd like to hear us talk about next week or whatever. We'd love to hear from you. We love hearing from you. If you've been a long-time listener and you've never written in before, I'm extending the challenge right in this week. Give us a question or a comment. We'd love to hear from you. So, uh, you know, before we get out, of course, remember twitch.tv slash pots. Go check out our streams every Thursday at uh, 6.30 EST, 10.30 GMT. Um, oh, 1130. Sorry. 
and of course, you can head over to patreon.com slash loopods where for just a buck you can get access to the archive of After Dark, uh, where Steve and I this week talked about Easter, our new lifestyle brand, and city living. So check it out. All right. So there we go. That's all the plugs. See you next week for another episode of the podcast. Stay safe. Stay sane, everybody.